Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Again, it's hour two of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed hour one, I hope you will catch it on, you know, whatever your favorite podcast uh, situation is or on the Faith Radio app, or you can always go to myfaithradio.com. Love to connect with you there. I hope you're going to join us in reading the Bible together. We're going to embark on a study of Second Timothy. That's just, um, wow, that's just days away now. So go ahead and Get on over to MyFaithRadio.com and get your free study guide and join us in that two-week study of Second Timothy. Hey, little tip of the hat today to our friend, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. I mean, he comes on and talks with us about all kinds of things, but he has a genuine passion for trees. I mean, we've talked about his book, Reforesting Faith, um, and I, I know at some point we talked about Plant with a Purpose which is this like global effort that he's engaged with to plant trees all over the world. And so I thought immediately of him when I read this headline that the U.S. Congress is now considering a proposal to do what? To plant a trillion trees. And I thought, well, they've got their guy and we already know the organization. Um, So let's be praying ardently for Plant with a Purpose and that Plant with a Purpose would get connected with these members of Congress who... um, you know, have this proposal to plant a trillion trees because I don't I don't know about you, but just because they have a good idea doesn't mean they necessarily know how to implement it. And so there's already this ministry out there planting with a purpose around the globe, millions of trees. And here's a proposal to plant three trillion trees. And so, you know, I mean, you know this about me. My husband used to be an arborist. I mean, I suppose he still is, but like it's not what he does is his day job anymore. And so, you know, we're a tree-loving people where I live. We've probably planted a thousand trees in the last year or so just on our own property. And you say, oh, my goodness, like, how can you do that? Okay, you know they're little when you start, right? They're little. They're like, you know, they're not very big. They're the size, they, they might be 12 inches tall. Or if it's a really big, robust one, it might be three feet tall. But they're not very big. And they're not, you know, two inches around if it's a three or four foot tree. So you're not talking about big trees. And when you're talking about a trillion trees, you're probably talking about very, very small trees to start out. And so let's be um, let's be thinking about this. If you haven't thought about the trees of the Bible and you haven't thought about um, what God has to say about trees, plantwithapurpose.org, somewhere I encourage you to go today, um, plantwithapurpose.org. It's a wonderful, that's a wonderful ministry tie-in to a conversation happening in Congress. And and this is one of those that I would encourage you as a Christian to, you know, not, don't just nod your head up and down, but actually, like, make a phone call, encourage your member of Congress on this particular plant-a-trillion-trees um, opportunity. All right, and then I mentioned in the last hour that UNICEF and its partners are ready to deliver 18 million doses of this new life-saving malaria vaccine. They're going to do it in 12 different African nations, and they're going to start in early 2024. 
this marks a really major step forward in the fight against one of the leading causes of death for little kids under five around the world. And so um, this rollout has been, the rollout of this vaccine has been like something like 35 years in the making. It's the most promising new development in decades. And so we want to be praying for God's favor. We want to be um, asking that God would do this in a way that people feel confident and um, and not afraid. Kids don't like shots. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm hoping that it's a vaccine that's being delivered orally or uh, some other method, but I, I don't I actually know all of that. But maybe um, Jeff Barrows knows more than we do. Um, Jeff Barrows is going to join us next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. He knows something about vaccinating people around the world. Um, he's also written a lot on, um, you know, the views that we have about vaccine is, and how those views are shaped by God. And you can find that material at cmda.org. So Dr. Jeff Barrows up next we're going to um, talk about a range of things, but maybe we'll lead off with um, just uh, this, his view on this development of this new malaria vaccine and um, what, a, what a rollout across 18 or across 12 countries and 18 million doses, what, what that might even look like. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Oh. Our friend, Dr. Jeff Barrows, is back with us. Uh, you can find him and what he's working on at cmda.org. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. Great to be with you again. Thank you. You, uh, you want to say anything reflect at all on the uh, malaria vaccine that UNICEF and its partners is about to roll out across 12, Af- 12 African nations? I, I want to start out by saying I absolutely agree with your assessment. This is, I know this has been a long time coming. Many researchers have put years of research into coming up with a vaccine for malaria. It's a different kind of disease, so it's more difficult than a viral. But uh, this is terrific news. It will save millions of children's lives, especially across sub-Saharan Africa. I do. Uh, it is an injection. There are multiple mm. doses, but uh, uh, in fact, I think it's uh, the initial plan is three doses and then a booster 12 months later, but well worth it. And I, I don't think there'll be any problem motivating parents to get their kids uh, this vaccine once it's available. That's so great. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always aware that when you talk about, you know, saving millions of lives, at one stage of life, you know, as as people who are pro-life, we then need to consider what those saved lives will need in order to flourish. And so I just say that to the wider listening community now, um, you know, it means that ministries that are on the ground in these countries um, that are supplying for education and for food security and housing and then education as they grow and opportunity, like all of those ministries are going to need um, additional resourcing because there are going to be millions more people who don't die of malaria, thanks be to God, mm-hmm. um, and who will then need um, encouragement in in the life that they're they're going to be privileged to go on and live. Um, talk with us, uh, Jeff, about belief in God and well being. You know, as a Christian physician, Carmen, I've long had this interest and uh, in, in following the the interface between physical and mental health, and spirituality. And I'm very thankful that there is a a large number of studies that show the health benefits of strong religious belief. And typically, this is measured by one metric, which is weekly attendance at a religious service. 
And so there was a recent very large international study, almost 125,000 people, 77 countries. Uh, they, they gave a survey to all this vast population. They asked a question on spirituality, very basic, very simple, but, uh, you know, they asked these respondents, do you believe in God? And what they found was, is that those who answered, yes, I believe in God, they rated their happiness uh, much higher than those who did not believe in God. They also rated their satisfaction with life uh, as being very good uh, at a statistically significant level higher. And they finally, they rated their own health. You know, how, the, how did they perceive their health as much higher than those who did not uh, believe in God? And so this is just part of an increasing body of evidence uh, and, you know, I know that we as Christians are not surprised by this, but what I'm very thankful for is that the scientific community is not only just looking at this, they're evaluating it, and uh, they're coming up with very clear results that if you if you are committed to uh, to God, and especially if you are attending a weekly service, you are likely to live longer to be happier, less depression, less anxiety, um, greater health. And, you know, I think the thing about this study is just puts the nail in the coffin, so to speak. And that is, you know, when you talk about 125,000 people, that's, that's a huge number that you can really uh, do great statistical analysis on. And again, it's over 77 different countries. Uh, so it's not just one culture. Somebody might say, well, it's limited to this culture. No, this is a global finding. And so I think it's important. I think for me, the takeaway message for us as Christians is that as we share our faith with our unbelieving friends, we should feel comfortable sharing the growing medical evidence that belief in God is clearly associated with better mental and physical health. I'm going to read a portion of this paragraph so folks um, get a sense of what this analysis produced. And again, it is, um, you know, it's almost uh, it's almost 125,000 respondents and from 77 different countries, as Jeff just said. So people who believe in God tend to be happier, more satisfied with their lives and healthier, physically more healthy than non-believers. Believers trust people close to them, like our neighbors, um, non-believers have a higher level of distrust, even of people close to them. And, um, and so we want to talk about the things that um, produce not only health in ourselves, but, um, but good living in the communities of which we are a part. And so faith is good for us and our well-being, but faith is also good um, for our neighbors and our neighborhoods. And so, yeah, as Jeff says, it's, um, it's, there's compelling evidence to suggest that actually, you know, not only is God good, but believing in God is good for us as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Jeff Barrows here in just a moment. Um, you are aware that the FDA has approved over-the-counter birth control pills. We're going to talk with Jeff about his perspective on that. And he's also going to um, tell us what half of us, half of us have in the tap water in our homes. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. 
I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word APP to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association, you can find Jeff and CMDA at cmda.org. Um, Jeff, talk with us about your perspective on the FDA's approval of over-the-counter birth control pills. Well, Carmen, we go from a very positive uh, news story to, in my mind, a very negative one. Uh, unfortunately, this past week, the FDA approved uh, a birth control pill to be available over-the-counter for the first time since birth controls were developed in the 1960s. And I believe from a couple of different perspectives, this is not good news. Uh, Simply, first of all, as an OBGYN from a medical perspective, I I think it will markedly reduce the number of women who will come in for cancer screening. Uh, It's not the most pleasant thing, but they would have been motivated by uh, need for a prescription for birth control pills to do that. So now that the this particular pill is available over the counter, I think many women will avoid that screening and put themselves at risk. And just just the recognition that there is no age restriction on this. A new uh, we we don't sell cigarettes to to anybody under the age of eighteen or supposedly legally. And uh, a 10, 11-year-old girl can pick up uh, this birth control pill over the counter as long as she has the money. And that really gets into the second perspective, and that is the social perspective. I think making contraception more available will increase uh, sexual promiscuity. Uh, These young girls will have greater access, especially without parental knowledge. And uh, uh, with my previous work in fighting human trafficking and sexual Sex trafficking, I recognize this is going to give greater freedom to child sex traffickers, pedophiles, and others to engage in child exploitation. They'll now have free access, uh, well, access that's not limited to uh, birth control and allow them to continue and expand their exploitation. So these, this is just not good news. And so I would say to the parents who are listening that it really further raises the importance of speaking frankly to your young teenager about the issue of sex. Uh, Make sure they are aware of the negatives of early sexual activity, which medically includes, and it's well documented, a greater incidence of sexually transmitted infections. And uh, just to remind them, no contraception is perfect. Uh, there are, you skip a couple of days, you can get pregnant. Uh, so, and finally, I think more importantly, the spiritual damage that's caused. God created us to enjoy sex within a covenantal relationship of marriage. And that's the way we're designed. And when you open that up to uh, especially adolescent teenage relationships that are highly unstable, you have these uh, boys and girls that are exposed to tremendous emotional harm that results when that relationship doesn't work back. So overall, I believe we're going to look back at this uh, horrible change 
this pill will become available early in 2024. And I think we'll look back in five to 10 years and be able to identify all kinds of negative consequences uh, from this horrible decision. On the, you know, on the flip side, Jeff, there are those who argue, um, you know, if we're, if we're genuinely um, interested in preventing pregnancy, then um, uh, in order that people don't use abortion as birth control. Um, and so I, I'm not advocating for this. When I talked about it on air the day that the decision was made, you know, I, I, I shared very, very similar concerns that you have shared here. Um, so I think these are the concerns that Christians have. Um, I also recognize that those um, who work in, uh, in crisis pregnancy centers, you know, they, they recognize the challenge that exists when a child is conceived um, without intent and um, without human intent. And so I just, you know, it's a, it's a complex, there's a nuanced conversation to be had. Thank you for leading us into that, um, into that this morning. Um, half of us who live in the United States have something in our tap water that we might not know is there. What, what is it? Well, I think the younger generation may be a little bit more familiar with the acronym of PFAS. At least I, I know my children have been very familiar with it for some time. It's a, it's a class of chemicals that really, uh, it, this, it stands for a fluoride, fluoride, fluoroalkyl substances. I don't speak that very often anymore. But these are, are chemicals that have been created uh, for things like making carpet and clothes stain resistant, also found in our pots and pans and even in mobile phones. The problem with these chemicals is that they are in essence forever. In other words, they do not break down in the environment, number one. And number two, there have been a lot of questions raised about their safety in humans. And so previous studies have shown that uh, when you look at look for these chemicals in human blood, the vast majority of the population has these chemicals already. And so there's been questions whether they are they are linked to increased cholesterol levels, changes in liver enzymes. Interestingly, it's also uh, maybe associated with uh, an increase in high blood pressure in pregnancy, uh, decreased vaccine response in children, and two cancers uh, have been raised as possible uh, association in testicular and kidney cancer with these chemicals. So they get into our water uh, system by all kinds of means. But this particular study looked at both private uh, uh, wells as well as public supplies in all 50 states. And they found overall uh, that uh, these chemicals are found in at least 30% of the samples and up to, as you mentioned, 45% of uh, the water samples tested uh, may have minute amounts of these chemicals. So this is a concern, uh, I would say, uh, in terms of take-home message. There's no need for undue fear, but really caution. Uh, I would recommend that your listening audience do what I now do, uh, having been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and that thankfully is in remission. I only drink uh, either bottle or filtered water. And so there are lots of options for filtering, like uh, the pitcher systems, attachment Obviously, you can also get reverse osmosis systems put into your home. But I now exclusively use in my drinking water either bo bottle or filtered water. 
All right. So if I'm uh, if I'm hiking in Colorado and I need to refill my water bottle uh, and I don't have one of those like straw filter things, I can still refill it in the creek, right? I, I would be very cautious about tell, that. I know, I know, I know. I that's just I know it's because you don't live on a farm, and you know you don't you're feeding your kids you know dirt all the time. I I know. I no, uh, I, I totally I, get it. I one hundred I one hundred percent think you're right. Bottles or filter water is certainly the uh, the way to go. Yeah. Well, having done a little hiking myself, I, I admit I did did use stream water, but uh, I remember one time I suffered the consequences. So I won't. Yeah, go any way further. way up high. I'm just gonna <laughs> yes. say. Way up high. You can do that way up high on a mountain, yeah. like above yes. 12,000 feet. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I, I, I won't make all the confessions that I now, I now could make on the things that the places that I have drunk unfiltered water. Mm-hmm. So God help us maybe is the way to go sometimes as well. It's, um, it's a dangerous world we live in and it's contaminated. And so let's be people who are not only aware, but, um, but helping uh, to do our part to um, take care of this creation that God has given us to be stewards of, um, that we might enjoy it and that it might be enjoyed for generations to come. As always, uh, Jeff, we thank you so much for your time with us. Great to be with you, Carmen. Thanks. That's, that's Dr. Jeff Barrows. Listen to him, not to me, on all of these things. CMDA.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, we talk about uh, Paul's prison letters. We we talk about uh, Jesus when he says, you know, I was in prison and you came to visit me. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So when was the last time you set foot in a prison, visited a prisoner? Um, even thought about what life is like for people who are incarcerated and the kinds of ministries that are taking place, like prison fellowship is a good example. You just heard from John Stone Street and um, in the Colson Center. Um, obviously, we know prison fellowship because of Chuck Colson. When was the last time you thought about, like genuinely thought about and had a heartfelt concern for people who are incarcerated? And what life is like on the inside. And then as people come into transforming relationships with Jesus on the inside, how then do we receive them on the quote-unquote outside? Well, the cultivation of the church, like the cultivation of the church, the community of believers who are currently incarcerated, that's the ministry that, um, that we are having an ongoing conversation about with Stephen Wilson grows out of the ministry of the Gateway Church. And we're going to talk about, we're going to get caught up on what is happening um, in the campuses of the Gateway Church that are located inside of prison facilities in the state of Texas. And as you think about how hot it's been in Texas, think about this for just a moment. The prisons in Texas aren't air conditioned. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're having an ongoing conversation with Stephen Wilson. He is, I think I'll just call him the prison pastor for the Gateway Church. He shepherds the congregations of the Gateway Church that are located inside 
of um, uh, of prison facilities in the state of Texas. So, Stephen, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It's so glad to be with you again today. I, I love our conversations. We get to talk about what God's doing inside Texas prisons. I know. So, um, so I want to I want to just very very briefly here. Um, you were just yesterday with um, with some fellow Christians uh, who are incarcerated. Um, so you were meeting with the church in inside of a Texas prison, and it's hot outside. How hot is it inside? Um, it, our, our Texas prisons, of course, like you mentioned earlier, do not have any air conditioning. So depending on where you are inside the prison, it can be anywhere from, you know, 110 to 120 degrees pretty much all the time. Um, and that's literally a, a hot topic we discuss all the time inside Texas prison, literally a hot topic. Um, but that's that's a reality for these guys that are inside. And it's it's tough. I mean, emotions are, are on edge. It, it definitely causes irritability and mental struggle, you know, just living in hot conditions like that all the time. Um, and our state is trying to do as much as we can, you know, to to lessen those those heat conditions and heat related illnesses so our state does a great job as far as texas department of criminal justice trying to 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 just you know take care of that with respite areas and and ice water and things but it is very hot inside texas prisons right now for sure um and we just happened to do a a podcast about that yesterday in, in one of our prisons talking with the guys and having them sit around and just talk about what it's like living with no air conditioning inside the prisons and so I, I told somebody yesterday, Carmen, imagine being in your in the inside bathroom in your home where there's no windows or anything. That's like a, what a cell is like inside prison. And if you just shut the door and replace the bathtub with a, a cot or a bed and two men living inside that little enclosed area, if you'd reach up and, and maybe turn the vent off up at top and just have people slide food to you under the door that's that's like being in a cell inside prison and you can just imagine just the 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 air the heaviness of the air and and things you would have to deal with inside and so it it is definitely a a hot topic that they are all discussing inside all of our prisons around the state so yesterday you were working on a podcast that might surprise people i think that's a good segue to this conversation that we want to have today about the development of one radio station in each of the six regions um, of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice or in partnership with them. Um, All of this following uh, the executive director's plan of every offender having a job by 2030. um, Kind of of draw together this vision of radio stations that um, that are not just serving the incarcerated, but in which the incarcerated are serving. Would love to. Yeah, I think we all found out back during COVID just how important community is wherever we are. So we started trying to figure out how can we build community inside prisons with with the men and women that are inside Texas prisons. And so um, we developed a radio station inside a prison here in Texas, outside of Houston, and it is all inmate run. So that serves several several things that we can do with that. Um, one, it brings the community together. So they talk about community-related subject matter. Like I said yesterday, they were doing a podcast or a talk show talking about the heat. And so they brought three inmates in, sat down around a table, and just discussed you know, the impact of the heat on them inside Texas prisons. But it, it was specific to their community, Carmen, and that's the key to it is it's inmate-run. 
So we're teaching them how to be sound engineers, how to be DJs, how to be program directors, station managers, everything you have at your station. We have developed inside the prison radio station, but then it's content that's specific to that community and they are developing it themselves. And it is really making a huge impact on that unit. So with such a large impact, we saw the numbers drastically drop on just like the suicide rate or uh, assault rate, you know, on inmate on inmate or inmate on staff, assault rate, things like that. Numbers just continually dropped in this unit. And we all tracked it back to the community that was built around the radio station inside this prison. And so now this Texas Department of Criminal Justice has asked us to replicate that station in other regions around the state. And so we're about to launch our, our second one here in just about a month or so. And it's, it's fastly coming. And so we're training that DJ right now. And we've actually partnered with a local radio station here in the Fort Worth, Dallas area that's helping us with the training and the funding and just the whole aspect of what a radio station looks like inside. But like you said, it's going to give these guys an opportunity when they do leave to get a, a well-paying job in the tech field or the radio industry. Just communications itself is such a great industry to be a part of. And we know with podcasting, video, production, everything that goes on nowadays, um, they can make a great living when they get out. And so we're teaching them all those skills while they're incarcerated. And uh, they they do their own podcast. They do I mean, it's a regular radio station. People look at me and they can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's a 24-7, 365 day a year radio station. And we've set up a studio inside the chapel area that we have there. And with all the, the regular gear, just like you have in your station, Carmen, it look, look exactly the same. I mean, it's really extraordinary. I, I wish you could see the huge smile on my face. That's uh, one of the downsides of radio for sure. Um, this is so exciting. Um, we We are praying um, in the midst of this. It's just exciting. I'm also wondering, you know, how how folks who are feeling led to partner and collaborate might do so. Um, you know, how much content do they need? 24-7 is a lot of content. Is it all talk? Is there some music? Like, can you just tell us a little bit more about what's happening? Yes, would love to. So we are, of course, they're developing their own content, but then we're providing uh, teaching content to them with pastors from around the nation that have signed on to be a part of this. Great. And what we do is we're just giving them a, a large bucket of content, and then we're letting the, the chaplain of the unit and the DJ of the unit who knows what their community needs to be fed to be able to yeah. go out there and pick the content that their unit needs to be able to play throughout the day. So That's they have awesome. worship music. Yeah, they have worship music. They have Christian teaching um, from pastors all around the nation. If I named some of them, you would know them. Um, of course, Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church is on it for sure. Right. So <laughs> we play his daily program, but then they create their own programs too. And it's allowing the inmates the opportunity to really be a part of their community. So besides the, the Christian content, they're actually producing some secular content as well. Like um, two guys will sit down and, and talk about old school country music, you know, from the 60s and 70s. And they'll play a few old songs and discuss country music. Or they have a, a, a classic rock a segment that they do and and it's just allowing men from around the unit to come together and learn how to do communication and communicate properly through the airwaves there inside their community. I I am so excited. I 
you know, I have all kinds of ideas and want to make all kinds of offers, but I also like, right, want to want to resist um, saying I know any more about this than I know. But I'm genuinely I hope you can hear the smile on my face. I'm genuinely excited. I I would hope that you find you know, wonderful collaborative partners through the National Religious Broadcasters and um, Christian Leadership Alliance. Like, I just think about so many um, networks of people who are in Christian media who would immediately resonate with this and and who could be great partners, because there's there's growth potential here. There's one radio station now, but the vision is for how many? Well, we have 98 prisons here in Texas. We would love to eventually have all 98. Right now, we decided we would start with six because our state is broken up into six regions inside the Department of Corrections. And so we're going to do six men's stations, and then we're going to choosing one women's prison that also have a station inside one of the women's prisons. So that way we have that aspect of it also and get their perspective on things. And another great thing these stations are doing is they're actually sharing content with each other. So when mm-hmm. they develop content in these different regions, they'll be able to share it with each other and use shows from other parts of the region and other uh, prisons. And so it's actually bringing our community of prisons together as one large community. And it's really making a huge impact here in our state. And we're receiving mail from all over the world, honestly, um, of people that are hearing this. And they've even had, you know, programs from – Europe and things like that come over and visit and do podcasting and see what's going on and go back into their countries and tell what's happening inside Texas prisons. Um, our recidivism right here in Texas right now is at a low point at 14.6%. Oh, amen. And the reason it's slow, so low right now is because our executive director is so committed to giving these guys jobs when they're released. But part of them getting a, a good job when they're released is training them while they're inside. So when we were looking at just re-entry and how to train these guys, there's there's lots of jobs that we train for inside, but a lot of them are maybe in the construction industry or in the labor industry. There wasn't a whole lot of tech jobs available. And mm-hmm. so putting the radio station inside is teaching them all different types of skills. So it's a hitting a whole different demographics of men that are inside the prison that now have an opportunity to use their skills and their leadership um, and their creative you know, thoughts and minds just to build this radio station. And like I was saying earlier, we did a podcast yesterday on the heat, but they do those podcasts every day, um, you know, our programmings on different content that's relevant to their community. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives the, you know, the warden even has the opportunity to come on and speak to his community or, or her community if needed. Um, so during COVID, that was a big aspect of this when they were cut off from the world and didn't have Mm. communication they were able to communicate inside their community to know what was going on and it brought them together in a way that nobody else experienced here in our prisons inside texas and it's much like your community of listeners that you have carmen and how y'all come together we're experiencing that same thing inside prisons it's it's totally extraordinary all right stephen wilson and i are going to continue this conversation here in just a moment um, you're wondering where you can find Stephen, where you can find more information about what we're talking about. Gatewaypeople.com. If you go to the Gateway Church website, gatewaypeople.com, and you look at the campuses, you're going you're going to see that some of those campuses are located, um, you know, in a prison facility. And so that would be information specifically about that. On Facebook, you're looking for Gateway Prison Campuses. 
So on Facebook, Gateway Prison Campuses, and lots of information there as well. Um, We're going to continue our conversation with Stephen Wilson here in just a moment. If you've got a particular question you'd like uh, to to hear me ask Stephen so that we can answer it, you can always text in 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Stephen Wilson, Uh, he works with Gateway Church and Gateway People is the website that you're looking for, gatewaypeople.com. Um, we're talking about not only the campuses of the Gateway Church that are located inside of prison facilities in the state of Texas, but the radio stations that are being actively developed um, within those units. So the Texas Department of Criminal Justice allowed the Polunsky, am I pr- uh, hopefully pronouncing that correctly, the Polunsky unit in Livingston, Texas, to develop an inmate-run radio station during 2020. And the success of that station has now, um, you know, led to the examination of expanding to other units. And so um, they, you know, they need everything that every radio station and every ultimate radio network needs. And so we're praying with them about um, the installation and the funding that's going to be necessary for um, you know, God to bring these things into reality. You know, the speed of expansion is going to be completely dependent upon not only the favor and the grace of God, but the resources being poured forth. So um, we're we're excited about this as a radio ministry. And so we know the power of radio, not only to serve individuals, but to build community and to transform lives. And so we're just genuinely, genuinely excited um, uh, with Stephen about about this kingdom impact. So, uh, so Stephen, when you, when you think about the kinds of programming that is being developed, you know, there are going to be immediately those people like me who think to themselves, you know, a, uh, uh, a program on uncomfortable conversations with a bossy white woman might be, uh, you know, that might be a good program for um, incarcerated men. Because yes, let me just tell you, you're on right. the, because on the outside, they're going to they're going to encounter a lot of bossy white women. <laughs> oh, I, I love know. it. So there you go. That is, that's a great suggestion. Um, but they are doing, you know, community focused things that are relatable to them. For for instance, I was there the other day and they were doing a program with with a gentleman who had just gotten a very large Senate and was going to be mm. there, you know, 30 or 40 years. Mm. And he, he was just talking to some of the guys and he said, I don't know. I'm going to tell my daughter back home that I'm mm-hmm. not going to be there when she graduates. I'm not going to be there to walk her down the aisle. I'm not going to be there when she has her first child. You know, I'm going to miss all of those life events. How do I communicate with her? And they said, you know what? Let's do a program about it. Absolutely. So they brought in three or four yeah. other inmates that had already walked that and sat around and did a 30 minute segment. You know, how do you talk to your kids about incarceration? 
So everything they're doing is community specific like that on the needs and the, in the issues they are having. So uh, just like you talk about needs and issues that you're, community is dealing with they're doing the same thing inside and it really makes it relatable and like i said it's given them the opportunity to be creative and think about how do we bring our community together and make it better and you know that brings a lot of hope to these guys inside a lot of them think you know their lives are finished they don't have much to give or offer their their community or their society so now it's given men all around the unit the opportunity to to make his community better. And I thought, how great of a mission is that? If we could all, you know, focus every day, how can we make our communities better? How that would change our, our nation and our communities. Um, I, I love those type of nuggets we can learn from the guys inside. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's fantastic. We have listeners who are wondering, um, is this content accessible beyond that one radio station? So do you see what they're asking? Like, is there a way to overhear what's happening? Uh, actually, no. So um, this is a, a small radio station that's just within the perimeter of the fences. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to talk radio language, it's actually a part 15 station. Okay. So it doesn't have like FCC licensing. It, it's much like what you would have at your church if you're um, mm. doing an FM frequency out to the parking lot. So mm. it's a very short range type frequency that's just inside their community. And um, that's that's really helping us expand quicker because, as you know, mm-hmm. in the radio industry, it's tough to get those FCC licensing and, and move larger where you can listen out, you know, to a larger audience. And so we're keeping it just inside the community, just inside the wire, we would say. It's just it's awesome. It's fascinating. Can we pray for you? Yes, please. Father, um, what, you are such an extraordinary God. Um, you see each and every one of these individuals exactly where they are. You know what's going on in their heart. You know their needs. You know your desire for them um, to be restored, for them to experience new life wherever they are, under whatever circumstances they are enduring. And so, Father, we pray for a fresh wind of your spirit inside of these spaces and places that are so physically hot. Um, and we pray for your blessing. Every resource is necessary to be poured out upon the development of this ministry for the building up um, of these of these men and women in inside of these Texas prisons. And I would ask, Father, that this um, that that this would be inspiring to people who are listening, um, who live in other states and want to um, want to see Christ glorified and people edified in all places in all spaces. And so, Father, thank you for Stephen. Thank you for Gateway. Um, and thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ who are incarcerated, um, but who love you. And so bless them, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Stephen, you so much, Carmen. It's always hey, a pleasure being on with you. You're welcome anytime, man. We want we want, uh, we want want updates on a regular basis, okay? You got it. And if you're ever in thank the area, you. I'd love to take you down there. Uh, you got it. You got it. That's a deal. All right. We, uh, we're talking with Stephen Wilson. You can uh, find them at gatewaypeople.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Yes, uh, thank you for those of you who lifted up um, the note of Real Recovery with Bill and George. Yes, 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 yes. If you're not listening to Real Recovery, 
um, wonderful program here on the Faith Radio Network related to the topics we just discussed as well. So much good stuff. Visit us at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.